Anonymous. Uh, on this edition, I will be looking at uh, my picks from last week. Some were good, but overall, not a great day. Pretty mediocre. Uh, we'll look at the French Open, where we are currently. Uh, my tennis, one of my favorite sports. Uh, we'll also be looking at the championship matchup. That's probably uh, going to be the main focus of the show. Will be basketball, the championship matchup, the series. We'll look at game one. We'll look at uh, possible MVPs in the championship between the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Golden State Warriors. Uh, and we'll see who's favored, why they're favored, and if if they're favored by too much. I think it's an interesting conversation to be had. And so, but with that said, I think we're going to, and we may also talk about a little college basketball, uh, but with all of that said, uh, I think we're going to start with my picks from last week, and I won't go over every one. Uh, my baseball picks, I think I went, Almost exactly 500. I might have went one game over 500 last week, uh, but or I right at 500. Uh, so not my best day uh, in terms of baseball. It was fine. Uh, that's but that's how baseball gambling always is. I usually my my rule of thumb generally is go with the pitcher, go with the pitcher that you like better, go with the go just go with the better pitcher. Generally speaking, in those types of matchups, uh, but it didn't work out necessarily that way last week. It was pretty pretty even across the board. Some games, you know, like I said, 50%, uh, give or take, last week. So my baseball picks weren't the best that I've had um, in my life, but the the best picks were probably, or I shouldn't say the best picks, my, my best pick so far uh, is probably in the tennis world, where my pick from last week, David Ferrer, uh, who came into the tournament as, a, I believe, 33-1 to uh, underdog, is still in the tournament. Um, he won today pretty easily against Martin Cilic, uh, which is a big win for him, uh, a, a dominating performance for him against a guy who uh, who has won a Grand Slam in the past. Uh, David Ferrer, like I mentioned last week, the reason that I, I, I picked him, I didn't necessarily pick him, but I said that for the odds, he's the best pick. Uh, Djokovic, in my opinion, still should be the favorite. Rafael Nadal right now is beating up on, on Jack Sock as we speak. Um, I'm, I'm watching it uh, as I do this. Uh, but Rafael Nadal looks like he's going to be moving on to the quarterfinals, and he will face the winner of Novak Djokovic and uh, Richard Gasquet. Uh, Djokovic right now is already up uh, a set and a break, so it looks like he's going to be moving on. So those two are on a collision course to face off in the quarterfinals. Uh, and then... David Ferrer uh, will be facing, well, not necessarily, but if he wins his quarterfinal matchup, will be facing the winner of that matchup in the semis. So David Ferrer has a very tough road ahead of him, but he's done a great job up till this point. He survived a, a, a five-setter up against Bellelli, uh in the last in his last matchup before facing Chilich. He did a nice job of surviving that one, dominated in the fifth set, really. Um... And so that's kind of 
it looks like it's a decent pick so far. Of course, everybody still thinks either Nadal or Djokovic will win the tournament. Uh, most people think that the winner, you know, the winner of that quarterfinal matchup will be the champ. Uh, and the the forgotten man, of course, is is Roger Federer, who is on the other half of the draw of those four guys. Actually, of the of those three guys, and then also uh, Andy Murray. Actually, I forgot to mention that David Ferrer faces Andy Murray in the next matchup. That's in in no way is that a gimme. Uh, that's a tough matchup for Ferrer. But on clay, I still like Ferrer in that matchup. If it were on any other surface, especially grass, I'd say Andy Murray would take it. But I think that on clay, I give a slight edge to David Ferrer, although the, the, the lines that I'm looking at right now say that Andy Murray uh, is favored uh, in that matchup. Not surprising since he's still one of the big four. But I do like uh, Ferrer in that matchup, but we'll see what happens. But as I was mentioning, uh, Roger Federer, uh, his next matchup is against uh, Stan Wawrinka, his, one of his good friends, and a man who he has dominated in his career. Um, only, only ever lost to him at Monte Carlo, uh, which, you know, this is not. Um, don't expect him to lose that matchup. And when you look at his half of the draw... Like I said, he doesn't have Novak Djokovic, Rafael Nadal, David Ferrer, or Andy Murray on his half of the draw. I mean, that's a golden draw for Roger Federer. He is far and far and by the favorite from his half of the draw to get to the to the finals. Um, of course, there's I mean Kaini Shikori, a young guy who's who's making a name for himself and who's made made a name for himself over the last year, give or take. Um, there's also, of course, Joe Wilfred Sanga, who's always given Federer a little bit of trouble. I mean, he's one of the hardest hitters on tour, but on clay, I do, I still like Federer, uh, in that matchup, even though clay's not Federer's best surface either. I still like Federer, and of course, then Vavrenka, who, as I mentioned, Fed has dominated over the course of his career. So Fed's got a, a pretty nice looking draw, uh, that it's tough to say that he'll definitely get through, or, you know, you can never say something's definite. But the way things are looking right now, uh, it's hard to imagine a scenario where Fed doesn't get to the finals. I think he should far and far and away be the favorite to get to the finals. The prob- the biggest problem for Fed is going to be uh, whoever the person is who gets to the, to the championship between those four guys, uh, Murray, Ferrer, Nadal, Djokovic, is going to probably be favorite over him. I think if it, if it's Ferrer, I think I think Federer has a ridiculous record against Ferrer, like 16-0. and 0. I don't think Federer, I'm not sure he's ever lost to, to David Ferrer. So if those two face off, Federer is going to be the favorite. And I think if he faces Murray, he would be the favorite. But if he faces either Nadal or Djokovic, um, whoever the, between Nadal and Djokovic, whoever uh, makes it to the finals would be the favorite in that matchup. Because uh, Federer's always had a tough time against Nadal on clay, and Djokovic has just, in the last couple of years at least, since he's really become the best player in the world, and since Federer, you know, once once Federer turned 30, he kind of took a back seat as the best player in the world. Still a great player, but um, he lost, you know, kind of a half step to some of the best guys. And so since Djokovic has become the best, he, he's uh, had Federer's number... Uh, but, but they have had some great matchups. Um, so Federer is kind of a guy to look out for, but we're going to have to wait, in my opinion, till the finals to really see his toughest match, uh, by far. 
So, like I said, I still like Ferrer in terms of the betting odds. Um, there's the the odds makers still don't even have him in the top five um, players remaining in terms of odds to win the title, which is stunning to me. The guy he's he's already made a final here. He plays his best tennis by far on clay. Uh, I understand that he's got a tough road. He'll have to beat uh, he'll have to beat Murray and then either Nadal or Djokovic and then probably Federer. That's a that's an incredibly tough tough road, and as I say it, I realize how tough it is, but uh, if there's any surface he could do it on, it would be it would be here uh, at the French on clay. So we'll see what happens. Uh, still watching that Nadal matchup as Jack Sox fighting hard in the third set, but still expect uh, Rafael Nadal to take it, if not in three sets, maybe in four. Uh, so that that kind of wraps up the French Open talk for now. Well, okay, we'll, we'll look at the, uh, the women's draw real quick. Uh, where Maria Sharapova was, you know, semi-stunningly knocked out uh, earlier today. Uh, she's won the tournament twice, uh, I think 2012 and 2014 she won it, which is why she was one of the favorites here. Uh, but she is out. Uh, Serena survived uh, a grueling, another three-set match uh, against Sloane Stevens. Uh, she also had one against Azarenko, but she, she, you know, just kept battling back in both those matchups. So she's moving on, and right now I think she has to face Petra Kvitova in her next matchup. That's going to be another tough one, but she's probably the you know the remaining the highly favored player going forward. I mean, she was already the favorite coming into the tournament, but she is going to be uh, highly favored to win it now. The only players I, I mentioned it last week, the players that I liked for the odds, I still like uh, Anna Ivanovic. Because uh, she's on the other half of the draw, quite frankly. She doesn't have to face Serena, which is a, a nice advantage. And so, uh, looking at the other half, there's really nobody else on that half that I think stands a chance. Um, and even Ivanovic, I'm not so sure. But, you know, Serena is the type of player who could get knocked out. Maybe even Kvitova can find a way to beat her. Uh, but that's her last remaining really real difficult matchup, uh, at least until the finals. Uh, so we'll see what happens there, but but that's kind of where the the women's game is at right now. I mean, we knew coming into the tournament it was probably a two horse race uh, for the most part. You know, Serena and uh, Sharapova, and with Sharapova out, Serena's Serena's uh, path looks pretty open at least right now. So we'll see what happens with that. But that does it for the for the French Open, and so. I want to uh, move it to, you know, the most important thing that's going to be happening over the, the next uh, two weeks or so, give or take. Uh, in the NBA championship, I want to look at that whole, you know, the, all the odds for, for the championship. Um, and I, what's surprising to me is the fact that Golden State not only is favored, I'm not surprised that they're favored, I expected them to be favored, but they are pretty highly favored in this uh in the matchup, it looks like uh, Cleveland, you get, okay, they're not that highly favored, but it's higher than I expected, in that I thought it would be pretty even, and uh, Cleveland is, uh, uh, they're, so they're 19 to 10 underdogs in this matchup, I mean, and Golden State is 5 to 12. Uh, favorites, which is kind of surprising to me that uh, they're that heavily favored. 
I look at this matchup, and I do think Golden State should be favored only, if only, because they they have that home court advantage. And I mentioned it before, uh, and I'll mention it again. Playing at Oracle is very, very difficult to overcome. Uh, only, you know, only three teams have beat them there um, so far this year. So it's going to be tough, but I... I still don't see how a team that's playing as well as Cleveland's playing, who has, in in my opinion and in most people's opinion, still the best player in the world in LeBron James. Uh, you know, Steph Curry was the MVP, and don't you can't take that away from him. Tremendous player, one of the most most fun, if not the most fun player to watch uh, in the entire league right now. But LeBron James just does so much for his team, makes everybody around him better. He's such a great player. And I'm not even, this isn't even coming from a, a LeBron fan, uh, but he's just, he's just an incredible player. Uh, and so, you know, I mean, they've got the injuries, they've got, you know, Kevin Love out, but they've, they've been playing, you know, as good, if not better, without Love since he's gone down, because Tristan Thompson makes them so much tougher inside. Uh, you know, Mozgov's been, you know, kind of an underrated piece for a long time now, but he's been, he made them a lot tougher inside ever since they got him and add in uh, Tristan Thompson, who's just an animal inside on those offensive rebounds. And you look at this team and you say, they kind of have a new identity now. They're tough inside, and they've also got guys like J.R. Smith and Iman Shumpert uh, hitting their threes uh, like crazy, at least in that last series against the Hawks. Um, and, and that's because of the way that teams are forced to guard LeBron. Um, and I'm not sure, you know, Golden State probably will be able to guard him a little bit better than the Hawks could. The Hawks had a hobbled Damari Carroll, um, and then they also had Paul Millsap. They were trying to guard him with Paul Millsap, which just is never going to work. Uh, a lot of the times they would double team, and that's when LeBron would find the open threes. You know, Matthew Dellavedova even. Uh, I didn't even mention him. But all those guys were hitting those threes, and so, uh, and LeBron was finding the open man. LeBron is, is you know, one of the great passers in the game today. Uh, and so he's always going to find those open guys if you double-team him the way Atlanta was kind of forced to a lot of the time. I, I don't expect Golden State to have that trouble, and they do have Draymond Green, who, you know, who was the uh, the runner-up for Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, not surprisingly, I mean, the guy is a great defensive player, and he can defend basically all five positions. I mean, he's undersized to guard the to guard those bigger guys, but he does a great job of it because he's so strong and so tough uh, that he he's able to do it. But he can also guard a guy like LeBron who can who can do everything, and he's one you know one of two or three guys in the entire league that might be able to stand a chance against LeBron. It's like it's him, maybe Kawhi Leonard, and honestly, I can't even think of many other guys off the top of my head. You've got maybe a guy like Tony Allen might be able to do it. But Tony Allen's such a uh, a negative on the offensive end that it's tough to it's tough for a team like the Grizzlies, who already has difficulty on offense, to play him significant minutes. Uh, whereas Golden State with Draymond Green, Draymond Green's not a bad offensive player. He's actually proven himself to be a pretty decent offensive player uh, and a good addition. Plus, they have such a great offensive lineup already that they can afford even if Draymond's not playing that well offensively, they can afford to keep him on the court because of his defensive abilities. So that's a huge advantage for Golden State. Uh, it's, a, it's great for them to have him. They also have Harrison Barnes and Andre Iguodala. Um, 
both of whom, you know, they're not going to dominate LeBron James. You're not going to stop LeBron James, but they can physically and and uh, and just you know, in terms of his quickness, in terms of his strength, those are a couple of the the guys, the few guys in the league who can somewhat match up with, with LeBron James. So at all times, they'll have somebody on the court who can match up with him. I expect the brunt of the defensive work to be done by Draymond Green in the series. But all that's being said, just to point out that I don't think the threes will be coming as easily to Cleveland as it was against the uh, when they faced the Hawks. But I still think that that the 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 odds for Cleveland, the 19 to 10 odds, are almost disrespectful to how well Cleveland's played in the playoffs. I understand that they play in the East, and I understand that I said uh, Golden State was far and away the favorite. But watching the way that Cleveland's played, sometimes you have to adjust uh, whenever you're whenever you're making predictions and whenever you're making picks. You have to adjust to the way that a team uh, is playing. Uh, and Golden State's played well in the playoffs, but honestly, they they basically have played just as well as they did in the regular season. I mean, they played very well, don't get me wrong. But Cleveland has upped their game in the playoffs, as they almost always do, as a team with LeBron, I should say, almost always does. LeBron is, he plays similar uh, basketball in the regular season in the playoffs. He's always great. But for whatever reason, his teams always seem to step it up in the postseason. Uh, We saw it in Miami. We've seen it in in Cleveland uh, before he came back, and we're seeing it right now. Uh, in these last couple of series, he's played, in my opinion, his best basketball of the year, or that team has played their best basketball of the year. And give credit to to that, the organization for getting a few pieces, for getting the Mozgov, or for getting Moz, Timofey Mozgov, for getting J.R. Smith and Mon Shumpert, uh, basically all the, the Nick castaways. Um, so they deserve a lot of credit, and LeBron deserves a lot of credit for making those guys better. Uh, for making a guy like Matthew Dellavedova a household name, basically. And and they've done a great job all throughout these playoffs. Um, and so I think that 19-10 to 10 odds is disrespectful for them, and I'd almost, I'd almost be tempted to pick it, even though I don't actually think they're going to win the series. Because if I were to, if I were to make the betting odds, uh, I'd probably set it close to 50-50. I'd give Golden State a slight advantage. I'd probably have it somewhere around uh, 5-7, to seven, maybe 5-6 to six on Golden State, but not 5-12, to 12, meaning that if, if I put down $5, I'd only win 12. Uh, um, I mean, other way around, if I put down $12, I'd only win 5, which is somewhat stunning. Uh, they're, they're heavily favored in that matchup. I'd probably do it at 5-7, to seven. And then have Cleveland in the reverse at somewhere around uh, you know maybe eight to eight to five, give or take. Maybe not eight to five, but maybe seven to five, somewhere around there. Uh, basically split it. Uh, obviously the house has to always win. But uh, so I expected to come in here and say that I would pick Golden State to win the championship, and to and if I was betting, I would pick Golden State. But actually, I'm, I'm changing my mind. I would pick, uh, I would put money down on Cleveland just because of how well they played, and just because of the way the odds are are uh, slanted. I think that Golden State's almost being given too much respect, as good as they are. 
uh, in, in the betting lines. And I, I still think, my hunch still says that Golden State wins the, wins the title just because of how good they are at home. But a team with LeBron, you know, always has such a great chance to win it all. Uh, we'll see how how well he can play, and I just don't know, you know. And if Kyrie Irving's healthy or healthier than he was against the Hawks, then there's no reason that uh, that the odds shouldn't be shouldn't be uh, more, you know, more even. But then again, maybe they know something we don't know. Maybe they understand the injury of Kyrie Irving better than we do, uh, the odds makers that is, uh, and are saying that he probably won't be healthy. Um, and of course, having Kevin, not having Kevin Love, I know that I said that it makes Cleveland a little bit better, in my opinion, or it has so far. But it's still a tough loss. It's still not something that uh, that Cleveland wants. Of course, they'd much rather have a guy like Kevin Love, if only for uh, spacing the floor. Because when LeBron's driving to the hoop, having Tristan Thompson on the court isn't necessarily a good thing. Because that means that uh, whoever's covering Tristan Thompson will be able to clog the lane. Uh, and, and also Mozgov. So Bogut's going to pretty much be in the lane for the entire series. Which is going to be a lot tougher. Bogut, kind of one of the underrated defensive players in the game, really. Uh, and so if he's allowed to, to stay in the lane, I expect Cleveland to play small for a bit. You know, I expect them to switch up lineups, play small sometimes, and take Thompson out. They'll play Thompson when they really need that burst of energy, that that uh, you know, that tenacity that he brings, but uh, I do expect them, and I expect Golden State. I expect both teams to to mess around with different matchups, see how they how they can work, because the way that the, those Cleveland role players were shooting last series, if they can shoot like that, there's honestly there's nobody who can beat them. The question is, can they shoot like that against a defensive team like Golden State? Because uh, Golden State was number one in. Uh, in not only in offense but in defensive efficiency last year, as uh, as I'm looking over, and Jack Sock actually just won the third set, uh, which is very surprising. So it's two sets to one, Rafael Nadal. Uh, if any other updates happens, if he breaks serve, I'll I'll try to try to break that down because of course when this gets released, that'll probably be over by then. So uh, where I was at was I would pick I would pick Cleveland. In terms of the odds, I still say Golden State should have the slight advantage, but not as big an advantage as they have, according to uh, the odds makers, according to Vegas. So that's where I stand on the on the actual series. But looking uh, ahead, or a little less ahead, to Game One, where the Warriors, I believe, looking at they're favored by six points in Game One. Uh, not surprising since they're playing at home. Not surprising since they've played so well, you know, at home all year. Like I said, only three teams have beaten them at home. Only two in the regular season. Um, And so Golden State being favored by six doesn't surprise me. And I've been going back and forth on this one uh, because I do think Golden State wins the game. Six points, though, is is a lot in a championship matchup with LeBron James in it. Uh, One of the things that gets me nervous about games like this is free throws at the end of the game. So, you know, Golden State could be up by three, but then they go to the line twice uh, in the last minute or so and end up winning by winning by seven because of something like that. But I'm going to say that Cleveland covers the six-point spread. I think Golden State wins the game, but not by six. I think it comes down to, you know, the last couple of minutes. 
Uh, but I think Golden State as a team collectively makes one more play than Cleveland does. Uh, they feed off of that crowd. I expect them to have a lead for most of the game. I expect LeBron to fight back, as he always does, I, and, and the Cavs. Don't, I'm not going to disrespect that team by just saying LeBron. But, uh, but at the end of the day, I think that Golden State wins game one. And I think they probably win game two as well. Uh, but we'll get to that. Because I, I don't see the spread here. If Golden State wins game one, I'm going to predict that the spread of game two is going to be a little less. It's it, The spread of game two is probably going to be something along three and a half to four, maybe. And I think that Golden State, that would be an even tougher spread to predict, just because you don't... If you're you don't expect the Cavaliers to necessarily go down to nothing, but you also don't expect the Warriors to lose at home, I think I'd pick Golden State in that one. If it were three and a half, I'd pick Golden State, and I think if it were four, I'd also I'd stick with Golden State uh, on the spread, uh, depending on if that's the actual spread. We'll find out, you know, in a day or so. They probably already have the spread up, but it'll change depending on. Who wins Game One? So if if Golden State wins Game One, like I mentioned, I expect the spread to be to be somewhere between three and a half to four. We'll see how good I am at predicting it uh, once that game's over. But moving on from the actual games, uh, another thing that I want to look at is the the uh, MVP odds for the series. I want to see if there's anything unexpected there. And I was just looking at it, and it's not necessarily unexpected. Of course, Steph Curry and LeBron James are one and two. Steph Curry has, uh, you know, basically three to four odds to win a, to win MVP. If you put four, you'd win three, which doesn't surprise me. LeBron James basically uh, right around three to two, uh, two, three to two odds to win it. So that that's and the reason for that is just because the odds makers expect Golden State to win win the title. So, of course, if Golden State wins the title, LeBron has no chance of winning MVP. Uh, and that's why Steph Curry's heavily favored to win it, and LeBron isn't. After that, that's where you get the long shots. Kyrie Irving, surprisingly, is is number three on that list at, at uh, basically 15-2 to two, uh, odds, which is semi-surprising. Um, after that is Draymond Green, who I could see, like I mentioned, because he's going to be defending LeBron that entire series. So I could see him winning MVP just based on the fact that he plays such good defense against LeBron. If the media notices how well he plays defensively against LeBron, um, they could kind of twist the, the, um, the perception of the series. Uh, media never underestimate the power of the media, and so if after say say LeBron is really struggling in games one and two, really struggles, and and the Warriors take a two nothing lead, and they take notice LeBron's struggling. Why is he struggling? Well, Draymond Green is blanketing him. He's defending him so well. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised, and and Draymond would also have to average somewhere between like you know. Si- si- 15 and and 19 points anywhere between there you know 15 to 20 but if he does that and and you know grabs his normal number of rebounds um just an overall force on the court as he usually is but also is guarding the best player in the game and guarding him well uh 
I could easily see him slipping into the MVP debate and maybe even winning it. And so I do like those 17 to 1 odds. After that, it gets to Clay Thompson, who, of course, would, you know, he, similar to Danny Green, when Danny Green, um, you know, was going off in the championship, he would have to have a similar run to that. Clay Thompson is a very good shooting guard. He's quickly become one of the top five in the game. But the the majority of his game is still coming off of screens and hitting three-point shots. Uh, it still relies on other guys on the court, generally speaking. And so I don't expect Clay Thompson to be MVP. Uh, similar, J.R. Smith is is next. So Clay Thompson is is ninth is basically ten to one odds. And then after that you get the really long shots, forty to one J.R. Smith. Um which isn't surprising because J.R. Smith is so inconsistent, has been throughout his career. When he goes off, as we saw in that Hawk series, when he goes off he's a great just an incredible shooter, can make some incredible shots, but he just doesn't do it enough for um for me to expect him to have any chance of winning it. Then you get to 50-1, to 1, Andrew Bogut, Harrison Barnes, Iman Shumpert, Tristan Thompson, Andre Iguodala, and Timofey Mozgov. Uh, actually, Andre Iguodala and, and uh, Mozgov are both 75-1 um, uh, odds. But Bogut, Barnes, Shumpert, and Thompson, all 50-1 to 1 odds. And of those four, if you're really wanting, if you really want to pick a long shot, I think either Thompson or Barnes, and I think I'd probably go with Thompson just based on the fact that maybe he could dominate the offensive board so much, maybe he can make such a difference inside. And you consider the fact that he's taking over for Kevin Love, I could see people uh, picking him for MVP just because of the impact that he has instead of Kevin Love uh, and taking over for for Kevin Love. So I wouldn't be stunned. I mean, I would be stunned if he won it. But for the 50-1 to 1 odds, it's not that bad to take a long shot on him. Um, so if I were looking for a long shot, I'd take either either Thompson at 50-1. to 1. I think the one I like is, is Draymond Green. It's a much more conservative pick at uh, right around 8-1 uh, to 1 to win it. Um, of course, you could always just go with LeBron and pray that Cleveland wins the title. Um, you know, LeBron at 3-2, to two. but, you know, I kind of like better odds, and I, I like Golden State to win the title, so I'd probably, uh, stick with, uh, a, a Warrior player like Draymond Green if I, if I wanted to pick, you know, a longer shot, and then, and, and keep in mind that most of my picks over the last, you know, three or four weeks, they've all been long shots as compared, I don't generally pick the favorites, um, I understand that the smart smart money is either Steph Curry or LeBron James, and I'm not I'm not naive. I understand that. And if you're just trying to play it safe, I'd probably go with LeBron James over Steph Curry, just based on the fact that the odds are better. And Cleveland, you know, in my opinion, does have a, a decent chance to win. And if Cleveland wins, who's going to be MVP? Uh, obviously, LeBron James. I, I couldn't see anybody else being MVP. So there's no debate about that. Whereas, if Golden State won the championship, Steph Curry probably wins MVP, but there's easily a chance that somebody like Draymond Green or Klay Thompson, or even like a Harrison Barnes, finds a way into the MVP discussion. I doubt Barnes, but like I said, I like Draymond Green, that's why I'm saying 
If I were to pick kind of a long shot, I'd go with him. If you want a slightly longer shot, go with Clay Thompson. But I just don't see that guy. Um, I just don't see a guy who is so reliant on you know picks and three-point shots to win MVP. Although, don't get me wrong, he's played very well. He played great all season long. Was, you know, a number two to Steph Curry, but barely. I mean, not, you know, he was he was great all year long is the point I'm trying to make. So could he do it? Yes. But I'd probably pick Draymond Green over Clay Thompson uh, in the MVP department. And so that does it for the for the title talk for now. We'll, we'll, I guarantee you I'll be talking about it next week as well. Uh, depending on where we are. I think we'll be through two games at that point. Um, So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, The last thing I guess that I want to talk about uh, will be, I've talked about a lot of future odds so far on the show. I've talked about the NFL um, odds for the upcoming season. I've talked about, um, you know, the baseball odds for the the World Series. One thing I haven't really talked about is, is college basketball odds. I guess I'll stick with the, the basketball theme. Uh, and I know college basketball is a, little, a, a while away. The, the, it feels like March Madness just ended uh, with Duke you know, winning the title. But I thought that the odds were interesting. I actually just happened to slip on them while I was doing research for this show. Um, and I slipped upon the odds. I found them. And I thought that they were pretty interesting. Uh, Maryland is actually the favorite at nine to one going into the into the championship or I, into the champ into the uh, season, uh, and of course it's very early. But they they had a great recruiting season, so Maryland number one. Then you've got Duke, Kentucky, and North Carolina all at ten to one. Again, no surprise really there. You've got the three powerhouses uh, there. Then you've got Kansas at sixteen to one. You've got Michigan State also at sixteen to one. Arizona, California, Iowa State at twenty to one. Uh, Gonzaga also at twenty to one. Uh, you've got Indiana, Villanova, uh, and Wichita State at twenty-five to one. And so I'm looking down the list, and uh, the teams that I'm that I think are kind of surprising. I think that they're overrating. Teams like I, California, I'm surprised is so as high as they are. They're at twenty to one. Uh, they're they're decent. I, ex, I I expect them to make the tournament, but I'm surprised that they're that high. Um, and then I look at I look down the list and I like where most teams are. There's a like I said, there's a couple surprises. Purdue is kind of high at thirty three to one. Um, I'm surprised that Ohio State is as far down as they are at fifty to one. Because they always, with that Mata, they always find a way to be good. Uh, of course, losing D'Angelo Russell is a big reason why. But you expect somebody to step up next year. We'll see who it is. And then Wisconsin is also at 50-1. to 1. That's a little bit surprising. Again, I know they lost a lot of guys. We'll see how Bo Ryan can adjust. But it feels like they kind of just have... Um, maybe, the, maybe it's just because Kaminsky was there for so long. But it feels to me like they always find a way to get an influx of those those Bo Ryan-esque guys to come in and play Wisconsin basketball, which is 35-second offense, uh, no turnovers, no mistakes, uh, the perfect college basketball game, which actually, you know, it might not even be able to happen 
with 35-second offense I mentioned because the clock's going to be uh, 30 seconds. Um, so, you know, we'll see what happens if that impacts anything. If you're looking for a long shot, because I'm looking down the list, right? I'm looking down the list. I looked down it uh, earlier, and I, I'm looking at it now. I like a team like San Diego State at 100-1. to 1. Um, Part of that's just my bias, but I always like where San Diego State is. Georgetown is also at 100-1, to 1, which is somewhat surprising, considering the powerhouse that they always are. But I think that that comes from the perception that they always struggle in the tournament. Uh, some of my friends' favorite teams, uh, Stanford is at, uh, 250 to 1 to win it all. Um, and, you know, they won the NIT tournament, so if you're, if you want to buy into that, then, uh, then you can look, look to that. But I, other than that, there's not many teams. I just kind of wanted to, um, you know, look at the top teams and then say, I, I do like Ohio State at 50 to 1. And I do like uh, San Diego State at a hundred to one. If you if you're looking for long shots, if I had to pick right now, and I just had to make a normal conservative pick, I look at it and I probably honestly, how can you pick against like Kentucky? I'd probably just pick Kentucky, right? Just because of the way Calipari just resets every single year, because all of these teams are losing major players other than Maryland. That's why they're Maryland's the favorite at nine to one. Um because of the team that they have, and because of the losses that they didn't suffer as compared to Duke and Kentucky, who lost a lot of guys. But um, Kentucky, they're so used to resetting every single year that I am i would not be at all surprised if they were the number one team at the end of the year. 10-1 to 1 is not great odds. I mean, they're they're basically the second favorite team to win it all. But... When you look at it, I still feel more comfortable picking Kentucky than I do picking Maryland or Duke or UNC, each of whom um, are going to be great next year. But how great will they be and how quickly can they adapt with the new players that they have? So that's why I would pick Kentucky um, right now, as of now. And that'll change, you know, when the when the season comes. I'll update week week in and week out uh, with my new odds, with my with my new favorite picks. Um, but of course, that that the season is far away. Uh, but I just wanted to talk a little bit about it. And so that uh, that's going to wrap it up, at least for for right now, for this show uh, and this edition of Gamblers Anonymous. Next week, we're going to be talking a lot about the NBA title. We'll be talking about the results of the French Open, which I hope Ferrer wins, but we'll see what happens. Um, we'll also we'll talk a little more baseball since I skipped it today. And I think we'll talk about the, uh, the updated uh, you know, NFL odds with everything that's happened with uh, Deflategate. There's kind of new wrinkles in the NFL season. So we'll talk a little bit about that. We'll see what happens as Rafael Nadal is up a break against Jack Sock. So, again, he's looking like uh, he's going to move on. We'll see if that changes at all. Uh, And we'll talk about that next week. But that'll do it for this edition of Gamblers Anonymous. I hope you tune in next week for a little bit more. (laughs) 
Have a good one. Yeah.